bring this meeting to order. Roll call. Um, Commissioners Miley. Here. Sullivan. Here. Telos. Here. Chair Chen. Here. Four present, and um, unfortunately, Commissioner Miao um, it was not available to attend tonight and couldn't attend remotely either, so he is absent. Okay, we're going to start with, uh, first of all, welcome everyone. Uh, we're going to start with a non-agenda public comment. Do we have any callers? We do not have any speakers. Okay. Okay, then we can start with the complaint hearings. Um, do we need me? Do we need me to go through what the order of business is? If you'd like, okay. or I can do it, or you can just call up the complainant, whatever you'd like. Okay. Well, since the complainant has here a couple months ago, you you have memorized the order, right? <laughs> okay. Thank you. So um, you may come up to the podium and provide your opening statement and presentation of facts. You have 10 minutes. Thank you. So we're starting with the PICA lease item is the first item? Okay. Yes. Great. Okay. So um, a bit of an opening statement, I guess you could call it, because um, I'm continuing with my theme of being uh, objecting to the false statements that are made in public by city officials that are unchecked and are not um, tr uh, provided in the agenda materials. And so there's no way for the public to, um, or even the city council, to verify that their, that their statements are, are true. So I wanted to start with saying that um, it's my belief that the spirit and intent of the Sunshine Ordinance is to hold the city accountable and ensure a transparent and fair process. The overriding theme in my complaints is that city staff and officials routinely, consistently, and frequently make intentionally misleading false statements that cannot be refuted during meetings because the policymakers and the public do not have access to the relevant documents ahead of time, which would be the regulations that they refer to or, or the documents in, at which they're basing their statements on. It is only after the meeting that reputations can be made, and by that time it is too late. Additionally, city staff and council are free to ignore them, which I think is a complete miscarriage as well. If the agenda materials and verbal presentations do not provide sufficient and accurate information, then abuse of process is inevitable. The commission should hold city, account, city officials accountable for their statements and make findings accordingly. And I believe I have um, a couple of pretty darn good examples of agenda materials and presentations not matching. So, um, and abuse and um, the public documents not being available when they should be so that there's no way to uh, fact check these and th therefore it's causing projects and leases to be approved that should not be approved because they violate, it's usually land use regulations and in fact that's the, that's the case with these two projects. So um, my first complaint was about the lease to PICA on Hangar 39, which is in the Tidelands Trust. And the one thing that the agenda materials missed was the regulations of the Tidelands Trust. Uh, the um, lease itself did say it had to comply with the Tidelands Trust, but the lease does not, in fact, comply with the Tidelands Trust because the lease allows the um, applicant, which is PICA, to fence the entire parcel which violates the, the Tidelands Trust, and I actually did provide the regulations and the supporting documentation for you because uh, last time I was here, you said it was a he said, she said thing, but if you were able to look at the uh, documents, you would say that I was right. 
So, um, so if you want to look at the Tidelands Trust, that's available for you. And um, fencing of the property of a public conveyance of, like, of the view shed and the public access from, what is it, West Tower to Seaplane Lagoon is prohibited in the Tidelands Trust. You can't um, privatize um, any of that exterior land outside the hangar. And also the fence violates the Historic Preservation Ordinance because it alters the exterior of the building, which is also prohibited by historic preservation. Now, none of that was in the agenda materials. The items were in the agenda materials, but the regulations were not. And when it was presented to council, um, Attorney Chen, number one, declined to make uh, any further statements on the regulations when asked by uh, council member Spencer and um, he did say that he didn't believe there were any protections out on the base, which it's one of our, it's in the historic districts, so of course there's protections. Uh, in addition, there's protections in other documents like the uh, Alameda Town Center. Uh, what's it called? This, the precise plan and numerous other regulations that were denied by the, uh, the city attorney. So. Um, if these regulations exist and they're not included with the agenda items and then the city attorney makes a statement that's not correct, then uh, there's no way for the public or the city council to disagree with them because they don't have the references in front of them. So that's why it's important for the agenda materials to be complete or at least have a link to the reference or an excerpt from the reference of what they're relying on because if you talk about something in the meeting that is not on the agenda or in the agenda materials, it doesn't provide a transparent process and this abuse of uh, the public process is what occurs. So that's my primary reason for um, objecting to the, uh, the PICA lease, that, it, 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 that it, the agenda materials are incomplete because of these regulations. The lease itself has conflicting regulations in it but because we don't have access at the time to those regulations, no one was able to refute what was being said at the, uh, at the meeting. Thank you. Okay, do we have the opposing statement? Good evening, Chair Chen, members of the commission. My name's Andrew Thomas. I'm the um, former planning director of City of Alameda currently acting in a special advisory um, capacity to the city of Alameda. Um, you have the staff report, it was in your packet. Um, in, in summary, um, we do not believe that Ms. Sheehan's complaint identifies any violations of the Sunshine Ordinance by city council members or staff regarding item 5J at the September 19th, 2023 city council meeting. Um, uh, we are asking that um, the commission reject this this claim um, and make the finding that the complaint is unfounded. Just a little background. Um, September 19th was second reading. So the second reading occurs two weeks after the first reading. The first reading was at the time when we have a public hearing. There was an extensive discussion about this lease and the regulations that govern this lease regarding historic preservation, view corridors, um, tidelands, 
and I'm happy to answer any questions if you have any questions about these about these land use regulations. But at the end of that first reading, which was two weeks prior to September 19th, after closing the public hearing, after hearing all of the testimony from all of the speakers, the council approved the lease with one requested change. So the September 19th hearing was the second reading. We published the lease again with that change shown in red line so that it was very clear to the public that if the council approved the lease at the second reading, they were approving it with the one change that they had asked for two weeks prior. Um, and they did approve that lease. So um, we do not believe there were any violations of the Sunshine Ordinance. Um, and we uh, request that you reject this claim. Um, I'm available to answer any questions that you might have about the project the land use regulations or the process by which the council made these decisions. Thank you. All right. Do we have any clarifying questions from the commissioners? Sure, I do. Yes, <coughs> Sheehan. Um, first, thank you for your presentation. And um, one of the problems you had, you said the link didn't work. It, yes. You have to speak in the mic or we won't get oh. on the record. Uh, I'm just withdrawing that with just a, um, a suggestion that for the future leases that you have the item number and the date on it so that it's easy for someone who maybe the lease is broken or isn't. It was broken for me at the time. Um, but that whole thing can just be avoided if we um, if you just put what the item number and the date was of the prior, the prior stuff. So I think that would be a future, uh, you know, uh, just an easy fix. Okay. And so as far as what was not provided that you felt was a violation of the Sunshine Ordinance, what exactly was not provided? Well, like I said, I, I actually um, made a comment uh, on that, this second reading of the, um, the, 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 false, the, th the, the statements that I believe were false and that should have been addressed at this second reading, for example, is um, the excerpts from the public uh, trust which um, define what can and cannot be um, uh, done at the property, including um, preventing access of the public to the viewscape and the parcel itself. Okay, can I put you on hold for one second? Mm -hmm. Mr. Thomas, I just have a couple of questions. So is it, is it the, I'm new to Alameda in this process, so bear with me. Is, um, is a second reading is only that that red line portion of the lease is that the only thing that's subject to the sunshine ordinance no i it's or is it the entire lease I, that yeah, is I, I in sort of layman's terms i think of the second reading which is required under state law when you adopt an ordinance or a new law um it's almost like a cooling off period after you buy a car like well you don't really have that anymore when you buy a car but um so you have a whole public hearing and you're adopting an ordinance. Very often ordinances are adopting new laws. Um, but in this case, in Alameda, we, we also require ordinances to adopt leases. So, um, and it kind of, it's more logical if you think about it, at least for me, when, if you think about it, we're, we're adopting a new law or new land use regulation. So we have a whole public hearing, everybody gets noticed, everybody comes down here, we have a big long conversation, everybody makes, gives their opinion. They're reviewing the draft law that staff has prepared. And if the council approves it, 
at that first public hearing, which is called the first reading, mm -hmm. staff goes off and, and the hearing ends. So they, they end by approving what's called the first reading. That law does not take effect until we come back two weeks later with the exact same law. We put it on consent, and the council has to approve it a second time. So it's like it gives the council sort of two weeks to sort of, all right, am I sure I made the right decision? Am I, am I absolutely confident this, that, that this is the right thing to do, this ordinance, to approve this ordinance? So, and so what, when we come back for the second reading, and this happens a lot, like sometimes during the first reading, there will be a, a discussion and, and sometimes the discussion, the council is sort of saying, well, we're not quite sure what to do. Staff, can you go back and, and think about this and maybe come back with some adjustments? And what staff will say, and, and the city attorney's office will say, was, sure, of course. But if we do that, we're coming back again for the first reading. Because if you, if you want us coming back for the second reading, what we have to come back with has to be extremely specific and it has to be exactly what you tell us to do. So. For this second reading, in this case, and, and in any case where the council asks for a change at the first reading, we, we, we basically, in our city attorney's office and staff say, look, we need to know exactly which words you want changed and what you want them changed to, because we're just going to faithfully reproduce that, and we're going to bring it right back in two weeks. So there can't be sort of a discussion or a, you need to be clear exactly what words you want at the first reading. So when we come back, for the, if we're coming back with a second reading, which we were in this case, they were literally changing two words in that lease. Uh, uh, let me defer to our yeah, city clerk might, who's an expert on this. Might I be able to just add a little bit? So basically in, in this case, the lease was amended, but not the ordinance that was being adopted. So the lease was attached as an exhibit to the ordinance that they were adopting in order to show the very minor red line changes that they'd made at introduction. Right. So, and sometimes the actual ordinance is very modified with specific wording like Andrew's explaining, and then that would be reflected in the ordinance. So the only, the reason why the lease was shown was to show the specific change that was made at introduction so that the public could see that in writing very clearly for final passage. Okay, and so all the rules and regulations that she's saying that she wasn't provided with that would have normally been applicable to the first reading are also applicable to the second, no? Or are they? Or am I saying something weird? No, I, I think that's true. Look, because uh, it's all the same information. It's you all the same information. They get a second bite at the apple. Yep, and that's why you know we don't produce a whole new staff report for the second reading. It's all part of the first reading, unless there is a change that they council requested, and then sometimes we'll just do a little short one paragraph staff report for the second reading, saying, "Hey." We made this change because you asked us to, and, and it's reflected in the red line. And I think the first staff report was cited in the second reading. Yes, of course. So then all those same rules. All, that she's complaining that she didn't get, she actually did in the first reading because they were attached. We did not attach the Tidelands regulations. I mean, this, these are state laws. I mean, there, there's always this debate about how much material to physically attach and how much to talk about in the staff report or reference. Okay. Um, so... Um, there are were the they attached Thailand to the first reading? Hmm? Were they attached to the first reading? 
um, the state Tidelands rules and regulations? Well, what I mean, she's complaining of, she didn't get. I'm just wondering if they were attached to the first no, reading of I, it. I, well, I'm not exactly sure what she was expecting. We did not attach the Tidelands regulations. We made reference to the fact that this was in Tidelands. Okay. Our Tidelands regulations are posted on the city website. We did not attach the zoning code. We did not attach the historic preservation regulations. I mean, these are, we're talking several hundreds, hundred, I mean, you're talking about documents that are several hundred pages. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Oh. So uh, you should also know that this item was pulled from consent because, uh, because number one, I, I only learned about what was missing from it and what they were going to say it, it did or what, it, what they were going to say the regulations were upon the first reading. So it was only after the first reading that I could make a comment about it that would say, hey, what you said in the meeting doesn't match with the regulations. And since there's no, it's not 100 pages. like. It's for the historic preservation ordinance. There's like a paragraph for the Tidelands Trust. There's a paragraph for the zoning. There's a paragraph, and um, if they're it. going to say that they're consistent with them, but then they they say in the lease and they say in front of council that it's consistent. But then if I go and find it, and I read it, it's inconsistent. So then I come with a comment for when the item is on the consent calendar. And um, that's why it was pulled, because uh, Council Member Spencer had some questions. And one of them was, why are we, is the fence legal that you want to put around? Hmm. And um, the city attorney was asked, is it or not? And he, and he said, I don't think we have any historic preservation, uh, anything that protects them out there. And uh, whatever I told you, I, I prefer to keep our discussions uh, confidential about these regulations. So that was funny to me because his he has a responsibility and a duty to the public to make legal determinations in front of the public. Hmm. So he number one kept one secret that it was a simple question. Does the historic do we have a historic preservation ordinance or any other, you know, laws out there that prohibit this fencing? He said, no, and then let's keep whatever I said to you in chambers or whatever you said, I can't remember exactly, confidential. So these were the um, violations that I brought up in my um, Sunshine complaint were not in the materials. They're erroneously stated in the second reading, and they were never addressed. And it was approved four to one with uh, with neither me, the public, nor the council, nor uh, council member Spencer, getting answers to these adequate. And my reading of it is that what I said is that these the, the statements made in, in both meetings are contradictory to what the land use regulations say. And again, if there was a short excerpt then that the public could review ahead of time, then they would have the answers to those questions. So at this point, I guarantee you, that lease, we, leave, we read this lease right now, it's not a legal lease, and the, there's provisions in it that contradict itself. And then the second thing is that um, the lease um, says that it's for a, a portion of the parcel, but the city is going to allow them to fence the entire parcel, which is also public property, not just in the public trust, but it should, it's supposed to be a shared, uh, a shared portion, and they're not paying 
for it. So that's a tax issue too, so that's fraud. I don't think that the contents of these things are kind of before us. I know, and, and that's So unfortunately I can't really it, it, comment on that, right. but so just real quick, when you had an idea of the things like you, me you mentioned here um, on, I think it's item B of your complaint, did, did you make a request to the, to the city, even though that's probably beside the point, did you request those things? Well, I know where to find them. Okay. So that's why I um, put that in my public comment that, that it was a problem, and that's why I wanted an answer to it. It's like, you know, the historic preservation, there's a... a you did request them? Or because you know where to find them, you didn't request them? Or? I requested some of it. I'm not sure which one of these items I requested, but I, this is based on things that I found. So now, by this time, like, I can farm almost anything out of that ledger straw, right? Because it's my new hobby. <laughs> um, not a very fun one. I don't recommend it. So, um, so as far as getting back to the Sunshine Ordinance, right? As far as agenda items being complete right. and having the relevant information and um, accurate, ob objective, accurate, and complete information being provided, it fails. And because of that, a lease was approved that potentially, because it not, did not go through the right process, is illegal. I allege it is. They say it's not. So, yeah. And then the other thing I think we have not not passed on. Okay. Oh, quick, okay. Quick that's it, that's it. Are we supposed to run the timer? Um, well, since she was responding to a question, but to give okay. her closing statement, she will be timed. So I might like, yeah. like Commissioner Sullivan, he gets yes. like five minutes of yes. response. Yes, so he's been asking questions and timed, yeah. Okay, but then wouldn't shouldn't the timer be going off when he's asking questions? Or yes, no? but not when she's responding, only when he's okay. speaking. Understood. Okay, I, I want to blame this on standard time <laughs> lag. I looked down on my instructions and uh, I made a mistake. I was supposed to give you a chance to respond to uh, Mr. Thomas's statement before we launched into questions. So let's, can we Go just swerve continue. back on sure. that? I'm sorry. I think maybe that covered it. He said about the okay. closed session, but was he answering your question though? Yes, everything's answered on my end. Thank you. So did I? Okay. Okay, so if, you, if you're gonna say that's okay and you forgive I me, just, then that's good. Is there anything good. I missed? What was it, his statement? His statement was that it was the second reading and it didn't matter, kind of? Correct. Yeah. I, think I, I think I addressed his. Okay, yeah. so, so let's go back to um, the commissioner questioning parties. Did you have some questions, Commissioner Sears? Um, not for them, I think, just how we're gonna debate this, so not for our parties. Commissioner, uh, Vice Chair. I, I think I do have at least one question for Mr. Thomas. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, so I, it's very similar to, I think, the last time we were here um, in, in terms of the kind of the content, I think, in the issue before us. So I, I'm just curious with leases and ordinances uh, being adopted to, I guess, accept those leases or approve them. Um, you kind of, you know, I, I think we had a disagreement last time about, you know, I, I tended to see where Ms. Uh, Sheehan was coming from in terms of maybe linking some of these documents in staff reports, um, but the Sunshine Ordinance, I think, is pretty clear. It doesn't direct staff what it's a judgment call for staff to make and council to, you know, kind of police that if they're, they're getting the information that, that is needed. And so um, with 
previous leases that the council has approved that staff have brought forward. Do you include the zoning regulations? Do you include um, state laws? Uh, you know, kind of give us a, an idea of what, what that looks like, if it's similar or dissimilar to what was before the council in, in September. Um, it's very consistent with every other staff report that's gone to council for a lease. I think the distinction here that may be worth pointing out, there are staff reports and city decisions that re relate to land use. Typically, they go through the planning board and then to the council. Where we're, where we're talking about land use entitlements, we're, we're talking about what is it you can do with a piece of land? What improvements can you do? Is it consistent with the zoning? Is it consistent with the Tidelands regulations? Is it consistent? These are, those are land use decisions. Um, and there's, in those reports, there are lots of references to the underlying regulatory framework, state law, city general plan, city zoning, Tidelands, all those things. And then there's leases, which is basically, you know, it's a real estate decision. Shall we lease this piece of land to this entity for what's the rent? How, what's the term? How many years? That lease, the PICA lease, and many other leases also say, and the PICA lease specifically says, hey, if you want to do a fence, you're going to have to go and get permits for that fence. And that's what the PICA lease says. And that's so when you have the conversation in the future about the fence in front of the planning board, and if it gets appealed, which might, <laughs> to council, um, that's when you will have the conversation about what does the underlying zoning say? What does the historic district say? I will point out there are many, many fences in the historic district. You can have fences in historic districts. I'll also point out there are many, many Tidelands leases around the state and throughout the city of Alameda that have fences. There's a lot of Tidelands uses that are not open to the public. Bay Ship and Yacht, the, Marit the Marad fleet. For, re for very good reasons, they are literally fenced off so the public cannot access those properties for security reasons, for, for safety reasons. But it's in the land use decision um, thing. So there's nothing in the PICA lease that says, you may alter this historic building. There is nothing in that lease that says that. And if they want to, they might want to in the future as the tenant, but they're going to have to go through the Historic Preservation Board and, get, and get the necessary permits, which may be approved or may be denied. And there's nothing in the lease that says you're automatically approved. And there's nothing what the lease did say, which may have caused some confusion. We did say in the lease, like, the specific plan identifies specific corridors which are to serve as public access to the water, public views to the water, and those corridors are specifically defined in the specific plan for this area. And so the lease acknowledged that and said, you can build a fence for storage and security for your equipment, but it can't exceed this particular area because you'd be violating our specific plan if you did, and we just wanted you, tenant, to know it before you sign this lease. Because what we didn't want to have is an argument later with the tenant two years from now when they say, oh, we want to encircle this whole thing. We're leasing all this property. What do you mean we can't enclose it? We wanted them to know ahead of time. So that's, that's why we introduced that information into the lease. It was purely to inform the tenant or the future tenant what some things that we knew would be 
not admissible and would not be approved in the future. Provisions remain to the discussion that evening. Thank you. That, that's all. Okay. Did you? No. Okay, I just had a strange question. You cited the uh, Sunshine Ordinance um, two dash ninety one dot five F under agenda requirements and regular meetings, and I looked at it and I thought this isn't. <laughs> Not in my memory was this section in the Sunshine Ordinance. So I looked it up, and there is no 2291 2.91-5.1.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5. 2-91.5
or requesting staff to report back to the body at a subsequent meeting. Oh, I think I, I think I can understand. So I think that the part that's missing is this is just talking about any item not appearing on the posted agenda, but this item appeared on the posted agenda. So that's why she didn't cite the part about that this is this section pertains to any item not appearing on the posted agenda. Okay. Shall be under all Lula. No action on any item not appearing on the agenda except that oh the only thing I think the only thing that I wanted to, that my point was with that is that um, members on the dais may actually respond to public comments um, instead of just sit there silently you know and and so that is an actual opportunity where they should be answering public comments you know only as to the extent of providing clarification or reference to staff or requesting staff report back. So that was actually the point of that. Thank you. Is because um, we, you know, one of my problems with these that are called public hearings is that you hear the public, but we don't get answers. And this this provision here actually does provide that the public can be provided answers in the moment, or it can be referred so that we can, and which was an opportunity to answer the questions I raised during my comment. So maybe, um, maybe you know, the Tideland's trust wasn't on the agenda or something like that, but I raised it in a comment, and so it would have been perfectly reasonable for them to, they had my comments ahead of time, and then I did comment at the meeting, so I should have gotten answers to those before, and all these legal questions should have been answered before the lease was approved. And there was an opportunity to do so per the Sunshine Ordinance, if that makes sense. And then, if I may have an opportunity to respond to what uh, Mr. Sure, Andrew Thomas that's, So this I'd is like your, uh, two, you have, you have two minutes. Closing for, statement. For your yeah. closing statement. I'm still having trouble finding this thing. I have it up on my screen if you want to come look. Uh, you have your two minutes closing statement. Okay, so um, I'd like to actually talk about what Mr. Thomas just said about the leases. The, the city only does leases when it's city involved, right? So what happens when the city is the uh, landowner and the regulatory agency and the design review people and, it's a, and the proponent or an interested party or a tax benefitor, then the rules, in my experience, and what I've complained about, and I'm going to continue to complain about tonight, is that the rules aren't followed. Um, it's not an arm's length transaction. It's a real estate transaction. It's supposed to be a, a, an arm's length transaction. It violates those rules. So if Mr. Thomas wants to allow Pica to build a fence, they're going to allow him to build a fence because he's the planning director and he has the ultimate goal. So um, he also said that, that the, the, the Pica lease doesn't allow for fences, right? He said that. But then he said that he told that the lease basically tells the tenant you can build a fence. He also said that there are fences out on the hangars right now. All of those are illegal. They have barbed wire on them. They have construction fencing. They block the public access. They block the view. They block the historic view to Seaplane Lagoon, which is a character-defining element, a very important one, um, not just in the public trust, but all along Monarch and all along West Tower. Those are also all in the land use plans. None of them have permits. Some of them, they, none of them have been approved by uh, the Historical Advisory Board. None of them have certificates of approval. So they're all out there illegal. 
um, they are absolutely 100% in violation of historic preservation. And um, they, uh, there's the ones that do have some documentation of permits have false statements in them, because I looked at them. And one of them said it's not in the historic district. One of them, so. Thank you. All right, I get, my, I get the point. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Mr. Thomas. You have two minutes to respond, mm. if you need to. You can say no. <laughs> you can say you don't want to. Do you have anything to add, Tom? Um, the purpose of the historic district is to preserve the historic character-defining features that were established when the Navy built the base. The Navy built chain-link fences as well. So there's nothing inherently wrong with a fence in the historic district. Um, and um, as much as I would love it, the historic advisory board and the planning board don't always do just what I ask. Um, land use decisions and, and, and historic preservation issues are, there is nothing that staff does that's not appealable or automatically has to go to the planning board or historic preservation board. So um, there are full and extensive processes for these decisions, um, whether it's for a new fence, alteration to a historic property, or a land use within the Tidelands Trust. Um, I, I have nothing more to add. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Are there any speakers? We do not have any speakers. Is there a motion to start the discussion motion to start the discussion well no what I mean to say is there a motion on what we should decide and then that's that allows us to discuss it with a motion on the table <laughs> there has to be a motion for decision before we discuss what we uh, before we discuss what we've heard why is that I don't I don't know what we're that, going to decide. That's technically that's Rosenberg's a, rules, as it says to make a motion. In but. Rosenberg, <laughs> which I was uh, tutored on last time, was that uh, it's, be it's always better to have a motion on whether we want to sustain or dismiss or whatever, right, to give us a framework for the discussion. But we can just have a freewheeling discussion if you wish, but somehow it kind of focuses us, so. Sure. Uh, okay, I'll take a shot. I would like to make a motion to discuss and debate the incomplete info and regulations. Say that again. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not a motion. <laughs> yeah. To discuss and debate no. the lack of incomplete information and regulations, because that's what she brought up was the Sunshine Ordinance, the violation. So, you're, so you're, you want to um, sustain the complaint with current correct recommendations? No, motion to discuss if that was truly violated. Was, did she have incomplete no, so, info? So, Commissioner Kilos, I guess the, the motion should be one of the five possible choices. Oh, we don't know that one. Right. we're debating. No, okay. and then, th then we debate that motion. I think motion. it's kind of like... Where, where are we falling? Who, who wants to sustain it? Who wants to deny it? Kind of oh, like, where does everybody stand right now? What do we need to discuss, right? 
Right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and, and, and I think, I think um, Commissioner Telos, before we got to this point, I, I think wanted to kind of have that type of open discussion. I think that's kind of what we've done in the past at these meetings before having a motion on the floor. Um, I, I get what Rosenberg's tries to set up, but um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that binds us to having to start our discussion by having the motion on the yeah, floor. I, I just wanted I to show I was listening to what. Uh, okay, I don't recall. I don't us. recall we ever went straight to. No, we did not. We yeah, have, we have never not in my six or seven years of never. being on this but board. At our last meeting, I one, think of the, one of the speakers was Clinton did us. right off the bat. Last, last did he? time. But yeah. he didn't make a motion. No, he just said, yeah, complaint dismissed or denied. And then we started there. And then we started going back and forth. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. I, okay, I, so I could be swayed either way. <laughs> How do we want to do like this? It. Pardon me. You like what? What he'd like to discuss. Okay. Well, let's go there then. Okay. We have so a whole other hearing to hold too. Okay. So I made a motion. Well, you don't have to make a motion. You can okay. just say, let's discuss that. And I'll say, okay. <laughs> and, and, and Commissioner Chilos, unless, unless you have a, an idea of where you want to go with a, a motion that kind of follows the framework that we're, you know, Not either sustained. Time, but I, I, okay. I'd like to get all the other commissioners' opinions of, like, what are we defining? And we did ask our complainant exactly what she thought the violation was. And I'd sort of like to guide the discussion to just be on that, that there was incomplete info. I don't want to go to whether a fence was built or not built or inaccurate information that the council was given, because I don't think that's in our framework either. But I sort of just really want to, was something violated under our purview? Correct. Good, good starting point. Okay. So was the information presented incomplete? So I, a chair, through the chair. I, I think I'll, I'll take the first bite. Um, and, um, you know, I, I see this one pretty straightforward. It very similar to the discussion we had several months ago. Um, and, and, you know, at that time, the discussion, and I think similar to today, um, the Sunshine Ordinance uh, provides that there should be transparency and information provided, but it doesn't dictate what needs to be put in a staff report. That's left up to staff to bring to the council, the council to debate it, and determine if that was sufficient. And so, um, you know, just like the last time we had something like this, a discussion about was there incomplete information provided, um, you know, I, I don't see the grounds to, 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 to sustain the complaint. Um, and I'll just be, you know, I, I think that, that's where I am. Um, on on this uh, agenda item, I would concur with that. Um, as we had, Mr. Thomas said, the first reading actually had a lot of the information that would be there. Of course, you know the Titans Act and all of these other acts weren't included, but they are referenced, and a citizen, Alameda, could have actually taken a step further to go look at them. So I think, as far as the public having access and being told what was going to be discussed in the first reading, from what I hear, was present and falls under the Sunshine Act as being completed or valid. Then the second reading, you wouldn't have to provide more information because it's referencing the first meeting where all that information was. So I'm 
leaning towards you know your same uh, um, conclusion. Commissioner Sullivan. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, I actually feel not only I. I, I don't find it to be an unfounded complaint, though. I do think it is unfounded. I disagree. So, uh, because it's it's a repeat of last, the last time, and my personal feeling is that um, people in this city have a lot of differing opinions. Five people, five opinions. And uh, we elect our elected officials, and they make decisions, and people have an opportunity. And in this case, uh, you have an opportunity to go to city council twice and talk about it. You get to call in, you get to write letters, you get to do all these things. And if the council insists on voting the way they vote, then that's what it is. If people keep bringing disagreements with council votes to the Open Government Commission, then I, I don't see our purpose except to let people have two or three bites of the apple. It, it, it bothers me. It bothers me because I actually believe in democracy and I see what's happening all over the world where democracy has not been practiced and people resort to all kinds of shenanigans. And uh, I mean, it's kind of soft to say shenanigans, but you know, we can see where all these things are heading. And I have to repeat that I was sworn into this commission on January 6, 2000 and, what is it, 2000 and, 21, and behind me on my TV screen were people crawling up the Capitol building. And that's the failure of democracy. So in a democracy, people have to respect the democracy, respect when you lose on an issue, and move forward. And if you don't like your leaders, then vote them out. But you know, to keep coming back to this commission and to have us uh, uh, go through all these things with our due diligence, I mean, I read every single thing except the last things that got emailed to us like 10 minutes ago. I mean, right shortly before this meeting. I feel like I can't do my due diligence with uh, uh, you know, complaints that are actually valid and something worth our, our thinking. You know? Certainly every city staff has more work than they can do. And, and having, uh, having had to read every single Alameda County Board of Supervisors agenda of 110 items and all their staff reports almost every week, I realize that there are a lot of things that fall through the cracks. And if they had a sunshine ordinance and things were challenged every single time, government would not move forward. So I feel that I would, I would want to see this denied and found unfounded. I'll make that motion. Um, I'll make the motion for the complaint to be denied as unfounded. I'll, I'll second. Call for a vote. Vote roll call or do yeah, you just want to Okay. Uh, Commissioner Miley? Aye. Uh, Sullivan? Nay. Tilos? Aye. Chen? Aye. That carries three to one. Okay. Do we need a break before we go to the next one? Up to you guys. I'm ready to go. It's okay. Ready to go. Keep going. Okay, let's go to the next one. And that is the complaint um, that was uh, received on October 12th, and that is the um, uh, what used to be the 1900 Thalway building. Okay. 
You're up again, Ms. Sheehan. Okay, I guess I'll have to refrain from saying that uh, just because it was the same as the last one, that means it was unfounded um, or had the same issues um, because the belief is still there and uh, it was more egregious this time. So I have another one that is exactly the same almost, except that um, the, the item at issue, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The item at issue is that there is a discussion about the zoning, uh, the zoning clearance and the applicable zoning codes about this uh, lease that was at a parcel that is owned by the city that was formerly used by the food bank, and then there was a lease approved to given to All Good Living, and um, there are several violations of procedure and violations of the agenda because the agenda items did not include any reference whatsoever to the questions about the appropriate zoning. Um, in the, uh, there was a verbal presentation given by Andrew Thomas and uh, Alan Ty after the regular presentation wherein they started to discuss it. There was no written um, material about it. It was an ad hoc discussion. Um, it was a surprise to everybody when they used that as the rationale. And like I said, it was not included in the agenda materials at all. It wasn't included in a resolution, yet this was the key reason that uh, Andrew Thomas stated that uh, the lease was um, legal and should, be, should pr uh, proceed this way. And uh, in fact, they also made statements that uh, the Alameda Food Bank had an existing lease when in fact they did not have any lease interest. They did not provide any documents that said that proved that they had a lease interest. The uh, um, documentation, uh, uh, public documentation shows that they actually vacated the parcel in 2020, and the city documents said they vacated the parcel in 2022. Now, if we can't or if we can't argue something that the that the city says is true is actually false and that the agenda materials are either are insufficient because they're false or they provide or they don't provide the information then no one can bring a sunshine ordinance to me or to, to you and no one can ever not be unfounded right it can be can be everyone's going to be unfounded so um, I guess I am working on the fact that I object to that that reading um, so so the basis of this of this lease is based on fictional documents that do not exist. They also have not been provided by, um, by the city in a public, in a public, in a PRA request, although I've requested them. So that's another violation of the Sunshine Ordinance. We had a hearing now. It's been six weeks since I requested them. And if these things exist, they should have provided them by now. The, the agenda items also failed to identify the fact that the parcel is associated with Gene Sweeney Park. They failed to identify that the Rec Park District had jurisdiction over it, and it failed to establish the authority, the materials did not establish the authority of the planning department to bring the lease before the council. So the whole procedure was a violation of, um, the whole hearing was a violation of procedure, and um, 
as far as the agenda items, I think I've been clear about that, that they were missing, that the discussion did not even stick to what was on the agenda. It introduced these new things and um, that uh, the public records still have not been released to me. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Thomas. And in, in your statement, can you clarify whether or not the item was on the agenda? Uh, yes, the item was on the agenda. This was similar to the last item. This is a lease. So there were, it was a lease approved by ordinance. So there was a first reading and a second reading. Um, you have a staff report from staff responding to this complaint. Um, we find that the complaint is time barred. We found that the complaint fails to identify violations of the Sunshine Ordinance. And we also, in this case, feel like this complaint is unfounded. Um, just a little background. This was, again, two hearings before the City Council. At the first hearing, um, for the first reading, there was an extensive discussion before the council took action about the zoning on the site. Planning, Building, and Transportation Director Alan Tai was here and explained the legal non-conforming status of the property. Um, this, the staff report and the presentation were also very clear that this was a sole source decision. There was no RFP for this. Um, that we are recommending this lease to council. It's a short-term lease with a use that we thought was an appropriate continuation of the prior use of the property. Um, it's also a lease with a six-month termination clause. So essentially, it's a short-term four-year lease. It's four years, 10 months, but with the provision that at any time, the city can terminate the lease with six months' notice because Ultimately, the plan is to, for that to be Gene Sweeney Park. But until such time, and until such time that the city has the money um, to build out the full park, um, we felt it was appropriate to lease this, it's a, basically a temporary building that used to be used for the food bank, um, to this similar nonprofit. Um, I think the other interesting aspect of this nonprofit, not only are they supporting low-income children with clothes and toothbrushes and support, but they also have a sports program where they provide equipment that, that, that children from, from low-income families normally can't afford. So it's really trying to open up athletics and, and participation in sports programs for low-income children by providing equipment at no cost to those children. Um, so we felt, and we made our position clear to the council, we felt that it was a good decision um, to, to lease this, do the short-term lease with this, with this second nonprofit. Um, council debated the open space provisions. There was an extensive con uh, discussion about the fact that the land was ultimately planned to be a park, part of Gene Sweeney Park, but what should be done in the interim. Um, and so um, ultimately the council decided to approve the lease. And then two weeks later, they had a second reading um, and approved it a second time. I have nothing more to add. I'm available to answer any questions. Okay. You have a response? Okay, thank you. Um, so what Mr. Thomas just presented right now is 
pretty much extraneous, extraneous information. Um, no one's objecting to uh, or saying that the other uh, entity or All Good Living is not a good um, company or whatever. The issue is the fact that the, the this non-conforming use was never brought up in any of the agenda materials. Like I said, it was just it was just sprung on on everybody. Uh, in between a couple of other discussions. It's not in the presentation. Like I said, he just jumped in. Um, uh, and so essentially, the, the agenda items, if this, was, if this one isn't clear, you guys, then nothing is. That particular key reason for a, being able to approve the lease was not in the agenda materials. The fact that, um, and then the documents show that the Alameda Food Bank did not have a non-conforming use permit. So again, if you can't come to the Sunshine or to the Open Government Commission and say there's no proof of what the assertions are at, during the city council meetings, then there's, there's, there's no option for the public to actually participate. It's not a January 16th if I'm coming before the Open Government Commission. It is the democratic process. So um, I'm trying to get the democracy to work instead of the government to be able to say whatever they want and get whatever they want without following the rules. That is why I'm before the Sunshine, uh, before the Open Government Commission. So whether it's good or not is not the point. Whether it's legal or not is, sure the, is certainly the point because public records should have been available that show that their statements uh, were true. And um, if he was going to bring this up, then it should have been brought up then it should have been in the, in the agenda materials. It also wasn't in the agenda materials for the second reading. The, the second reading relied on the uh, first reading materials, and uh, there was even a staff communications report um, at the second reading. And all of this zoning use and leasehold stuff and, and rights to, they, they, had, they said that, that uh, the food bank had the authority to pick their successor, which there's no documentation of that. It's just pulled out of the hat. So if if you're, if it's improper to question uh, the uh, statements that sit the city that city staff make in order to get something approved on city land, where they're the city proponent, they're the city beneficiary, and they're the city regulators, then maybe my maybe it is unfounded. But if it, if you can find that it was not in this zoning stuff and this leasehold interest was not put in the agenda materials, which it wasn't, and the public. Uh, records that prove it that I have asked for have not been released because they don't exist, then this uh, this uh, complaint is not unfounded. Thank you. Okay. Do we have any questions? Yeah, Vice Chair. Um, I, I don't know if this is a question for Ms. Sheehan or Mr. Thomas, um, but this non-conforming use item, um, was that something that was discussed during the council hearing? Yes. Okay. And so, although it might not have been explicitly spelled out in the agenda language, it was something that the public was able to be a part of the discussion um, through the staff report and then, uh, the staff presentation and then, um, public comment, council discussion? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Oh, okay, I have a further question for you, Mr. Thomas. So the food bank was there before uh, Gene Sweeney Park was built. Correct. 
and when the food bank first located there, what what is its relationship with the city? It's 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 on city property. Yeah, it, so um, sort of the sequence it was this: this land was zoned industrial. That's what because it was leftover zoning from um, when the uh, railroad had their uh, you know storage yard. Um, then the voters of Alameda passed a um, initiative to rezone the entire property open space. Um, but there was a, a companion measure that the council put on at the same time. This is all before we knew, and it was just an interesting story. So the council was like, oh my goodness, we can't just zone this open space or it'll be inverse condemnation, we'll have to buy this property. So they did a companion measure which says, we'll zone an open space once we acquire it they were telling the voters like it could be 20 30 million dollars to buy this land then the whole story with gene sweeney and the old, finding the old contract we go to court um so the both the initiative passed and the companion measure passed so the zoning doesn't change yet um a couple things start happening we have this piece of property the food bank moves on with a with a lease with the city but it's zoned um it's zoned um uh uh, manufacturing so no no zoning issues then sometime later we win the lawsuit with the railroad acquire property and boom it immediately instantaneously turns to open space but you got the food banks there so they're there that use is there existing non-conforming use zoning changes that doesn't mean they all of a sudden have to leave um, so that's how the food bank got there um, the issue of whether we can continue to lease the land. Um, I think it was the issue that was, was really at the heart of, well, you know, the, the debate was, well, should we, can we continue to lease the land now to this next use? The food bank doesn't determine who we lease to. That was a city staff decision. The food bank said, hey, we have this trailer. We'd like to give it to this new nonprofit if you city want to lease to them. Um, so that, that's how that food bank, city, and the new non all good living, kind of the relationships. But the food bank didn't, doesn't tell the city who to lease to and who not to lease to. It was the city staff recommendation the, that we lease to this nonprofit. The food nonprofit. bank owns the trailer. The trailer, exactly. So they, I think what they were thinking was, hey, we don't need this trailer, but we'd love to give it to this other organization. Um, but And we were like, well, and the other organization was like, hey, well, we'll take your trailer, but not unless we can get a lease from the land, uh, from the city. And we told the All Good Living, well, we're interested in potentially a short-term lease with you, but we can't guarantee long-term, because ultimately this is gonna be a park. But short-term lease, sure, we'll recommend it to council. We think it's a good idea, and it's a good organization. So that was our recommendation to council. The whole question of zoning came up at the hearing uh, we had an extensive discussion about it. The council did, and then ultimately approved the lease. So, so in any other instance, this is a very unusual instance. I mean, there's so many idiosyncratic things going on. But in 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 a similar instance, um, would there been have more? Would there? Can I talk anymore? Hmm. Would there have been more uh, going on to? an RFP or, or any other thing like that? I mean, I, I know this is kind of a hypothetical question. Yeah, no, question. I mean, it's, I think it's a good question. I mean, we, 
we had an unusual situation here. Um, we knew we didn't do, want to do a long-term lease. Um, we knew we had this structure here. Um, you know, the the, uh, the temporary, you know, the what am I trying to say? The temporary building that was there. We had a, a nonprofit that was providing services in Alameda that wanted to take it over. We was willing to do it short term. Um, you know, could could the city say no? We don't. Maybe, but not until we do a full RFP. Sure, um, and, and that was you know fully disclosed. Like the council could have done that and said, you know what, we don't want to do this short term lease. We want to let anyone who wants to bid on this bid on it or make a proposal for it. Um, so does the council have the the right to do that? The council has I mean, the ability to lease to whoever. I know that sounds very funny. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's like, do they, ha, do they, can they make a decision like that without going through the hoops? Yes. Yes, they do not. I mean, you can you can lease property to um, without doing an RFP process. I mean, the sit, the staff can't make that decision, but in a public hearing, the council can. Um, I'm trying to think of some other similar types of, I mean, we don't, when leases come up for renewal, we don't automatically RFP it to see who will outbid our current tenants. We very often will negotiate a lease amendment, a lease extension, and bring it to council and say, hey, we think this has been a great tenant. They've been paying rent. We think we should give them another 10 years or another five years, whatever we've negotiated. Um, you know, we've agreed on a lease. We don't, we don't put it out to market and say, hey, who wants to come in and, and compete against our current business that's here in Alameda necessarily? I mean, sometimes if, you know, it, it, it really, it's a, it's a judgment call, but ultimately, you know, once again, it's, a, it's the city council wears several hats. Sometimes they're doing land use regulations and decision making, and that's very prescribed. Everything has to be very, um, you know, um, very, uh, sort of prescribed and very even um, when you're on the real estate decisions, um, less so. They can do m below market rents, they can do above market, they can do it at market. I mean, this is a below market rent. This is, I think, a dollar a year. Right. I mean, this, that's, is, that's this is not a, you know, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a, a situation where we were telling the council, we, we think it's a good, we think it's good for the community. You're not going to make a bunch of money on it, but we think it's a good use of the land in the short term. Better than leaving it vacant and letting it just sit there. Sorry, just through the no chair. I, 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 Mr. Thomas, this might not be for you. I, I did have one, one additional question. Um, I, can, can I, I think you'll have an opportunity to do that. I, I want to get to my question, and Ms. Jean, it might, might be for you, um, or it might be for Madam City Clerk. Um, you, Ms. Sheehan, you referenced um, there being some documents that you haven't yet received. So, and I, I know that the, the report also alluded to the Public Records Act part still being open, that request right. being open. And so I, I'm just kind of curious for, uh, just to understand you've requested specific documents from the city. It's been about six weeks. They're trying to locate it. They've provided you updates or, or kind of where do things stand with that? Uh, well, uh, as I said in my um, answer, you know, it, they don't, I, what I asked for was 
the use permit, the non-conforming use permit, if it exists, which if they had, if they were putting this item together, it should have been readily available if that was the basis of their um, ability supposedly to get this lease. I also looked on Acela, you know, which is the public portal. There's no non-conforming use permit for the uh, uh, food bank parcel or the use of the food bank parcel because it's not a non-conforming use permit. There's no evidence that it is. Um, as a matter of fact, another failure of the agenda item and everything that's written is that um, that they failed to mention anything about Gene Sweeney Park, the park. They failed to mention that the food bank is actually part of Gene Sweeney Park. They have a uh, urban farm section that incorporated the food bank parcel into it. There's a there's an agreement. There's an intention, even as late as 2021. That, and it still exists on the city website that the Alameda Food Bank parcel is part of uh, Gene Sweeney Park. And the things that I sent to you guys a few minutes before, like a half an hour maybe before the meeting, are just that documentation. So if there's any question about it, he said, she said, that you guys can reference it. It's nothing to read, not my tome from the first time, and I didn't quite understand what the limited scope was but um, it's the reference documents. And um, also Mr. Thomas's uh, recounting of the zoning isn't correct either because- uh, Ms. Sheehan, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm oh, gonna have to sorry, stop you there because sure, I just sure. wanna stick to my question. Yes, so sorry. to then Madam City Clerk, is, is the request still open? What, what, what is the status? Okay, so I'm not exactly sure that she cited the specific request and Ms. Sheehan has 80 requests with the city and um, 11 are still open and it's because they're voluminous, voluminous and um, we have like pulled emails and they're going through thousands of pages of emails and documents. So, um, you know, I would have to know which specific request is being referenced and where it is in the status. I would have to That's dig into it. 80 requests since 2021, right? Well, it's the PRA. Or is it just this year? No, since 2021. So that's over a two-year period, right? Three-year. Three-year. Um, 21, 22, 23. And 67 have been answered, right? Yes. So there's only 13 remaining. 11. Now, but that's over a three-year period, though. She doesn't have 80 for this one specific instance, does she? Right, but I'm saying I, she didn't, I don't know if she referenced a specific request. I don't know which yeah, one I she's referencing. I think it's referenced, well. it's 438, and I specifically asked for the non-conforming use permits, which, you know, that one didn't go back. One of them is, I live in a historic house, so I, I'm, I am in fact doing a lot of requests about, you know, the Navy, stuff like that, but this is different. And, and I'm, I'm referencing the staff report where there's a, a note that, the, the, as the city attorney's office notes, the request is currently open because city staff members are still searching right. for responsive records. Right. So I, I just, you know, I, I think that is germane to our discussion. Um, but getting into the details around right. the zoning mm -hmm. and and you know the uh, the value and worthiness, and I know my clock is almost up, uh, oh, so I'll sorry. stop here. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 I'm it's a, fine. It's fine. I don't I don't need to talk much more. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't want to debate those things. I, I want to stay focused on you know the merits um, and what's in our purview. So that's it. Thank you. Yeah, so that triggered a thought, and I guess us as commissioners could sort of figure out how we want to decide it, but let's say there is a request for information, and in this case, the non-conforming agreement. What if it doesn't exist? So then, clearly, 
you know, the staff looks like they're saying it's pending because they're looking for it. But it seems like they're fulfilling the requests. They're saying they're looking for it. But if it just doesn't exist, it's where does where do we fall in as far as the sunshine ordinance part goes? Because you know we're trying to fulfill a request, but if it just doesn't exist, I can't say that's a violation. Yeah, if you ask the custodian of records, and they say it's not the there, or they're still they're still looking for it, and you know if it's been going on for three years, it, maybe it doesn't exist. So maybe if we knew exactly when that one was requested, was it? requested probably pretty recently because it's based on this yeah. hearing that just happened a couple months ago but just something that triggered in my head of like okay you asked for it but if it doesn't exist that's not a violation that we didn't try to provide it i i, I hear you commissioner Tilios. um i you know without getting into committee discussion at this point um i, I don't want to derail mm -hmm. um the um the sheet we have to go off of here <laughs> madam chair right. So we are at public speakers. Public speakers. Pu public yeah. speakers. If there's unless no there's no more, uh, any, are there any more questions? I had one. I'm, I'm not sure if this is the right time. Okay, so is this a council for them? The questions for them, or just in general? Right now, it's I guess or, it's or just you, for them. You, so, or city council too? Okay. So there's been a. Um, so I guess this would be the city to the council, the attorney. Mm -hmm. And um, so since I've been sitting on this commission, there is um, a process from which uh, staff and the city attorney, uh, or those involved, I'm not sure exactly who, um, de determines outside the purview of this com commission whether or not a issue is time barred or not. Um, and for, and we've had several, actually I don't know how many complaints have been alleged and then have been time barred that we haven't even seen. But this is the first one that has been ruled time barred, but yet we've heard it anyway. And I don't know why. Okay, I can actually, I think Can the I, city attorney answer that? Or would you um, be better to answer that? I, I think it'd be me because he's outside counsel and he wasn't involved in the, the process of speaking to Ms. Sheehan ahead of time. Um, I did approach Ms. Sheehan and I explained that staff felt that it was time barred and because she was referencing the introduction staff report only and she wasn't referring to the final passage and she argued that it was, I mean, I could send you guys the emails or for the emails, but she argued that because the final passage tied to the introduction, she felt it wasn't time barred and she wanted it heard before you. So staff has decided if, I mean, if it's not clearly, since this was a final passage and since you know, she was trying to argue her point. We didn't want to stop the commission from hearing it. Therefore, we brought it forward to you all. But staff definitely felt it was time barred since she was referencing, filed it on October 12th, and it was referencing the September 19th meeting. So, but she tried to tie it in through final passage being on October 2nd. So that was her argument, and we didn't want to prevent the commission from hearing it because we didn't want her to feel like she was held back by staff. Well, shouldn't when it that was, be the issue we decide, we, we we're deciding then? Isn't that the number one issue? Because nothing else even pertains first. If we don't, if we don't even determine if it's time barred or not. Yeah, I, because I will, for I some reason you, you've always said, I don't know how strenuously 
petitioners object to being time barred and you just kind of let them I will go. Tell, well, I will tell you the other times that they've argued it was time barred, it was submitted either like months after a meeting or it was submitted on something that was not an introduction and final passage and they didn't just try and tie it together. It was clearly like just the agenda item was well more than 15 days and there was nothing to you know, tie it into a subsequent meeting. And so, this, so the actual determination that the city council has made is this is time barred by how long? Six 15 days? days is in the ordinance. It's right, so this is how, how what, what's, what's the violation here? That this should have been brought, this was three days late, five days late? Well, if it was on the September 19th meeting, it would have been needed to be filed 15 days after that. I can pull up a calendar and, and say what date that is, but it, it was filed on October 12th, was received on October 12th, and per, she argues that it was pertaining to October 2nd, so that fell within the 15 day window. You guys, you guys confused too? No, 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 uh, no, I sort of get it. No, in the past, okay. we have heard things that were technically time barred. Okay. And then what we did was we took up those issues to the extent we put them in our final reports. Okay, so you didn't have to discuss that first, whether or not you even see well, there's a violation? Well, in the beginning, we didn't have as many guardrails around what we do. And that's why we started adding, you know, more... So, so my confusion is just that, not what she's talking about. Okay. This is so much what we're going to do. Right. So if if we if this commission decides something is time barred, we could just decide that at the beginning and and not proceed. We could do that if you wanted to move that. I think it's necessary, but I don't know. How do you guys feel? Through the chair, um, I just I, I I agree with you, but I, since we're still within the Q and A of the. Um, complainant and the staff. Uh, I, I think we should probably refrain from. Um, I'm not calling discussion. for a vote. Yeah, I'm no, just, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I think we should refrain from getting into a detailed commission discussion until after we've heard the closing statements and any public comment. Uh -huh. But I, I, I agree and understand where you are at. Okay. So then, wait, I guess wait, the one wait, question wait. would be if, if, if. Regarding the time bar issue, um, if it were issues in the October third, were were those germane to the to the issues that were discussed? Hence, like revitalizing what happened. And yeah, Andrew, would, would Mr. Thomas, would, would that then revitalize her complaint from the earlier September meeting? My recollection was the second reading was pretty. There was no discussion with the second reading. All this, all the discussion that I'm that we discussed about the open space and the non-conforming aspect all occurred at the September 19th first reading, which is what her complaint references. The confusion is, I think, about the time barring is, okay, so we had that conversation, we had that staff report and that whole big, on September 19th, and then the 15-day clock starts running, but then on two weeks later, we have the second reading. Right. But like our last discussion, the second reading is the second bite at the apple. Yep. Things have cooled down, everyone's chill. So in a way, everything is yeah. pertinent. If you, if, so right. it could, if okay. you take that position, to... then you're like, you know, I it get seems it. like you'd be like, no, not time barred. It really didn't it. end until the second week. I'm clear. You... Thank you so much. Okay. And, uh, I'm trying to figure out where we are on the agenda. We are still asking, well, we asked, we're on a commissioner questioning a party. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, so okay. just to go off of this, mine won't be more of a 
commit um, a question? Just as far as, because Commissioner Sullivan brought this up, and I just want to get clarification, because I, I see where you're coming from. You're saying, hey, if it's really time barred, then we shouldn't even come to us, right? We sort of went down that path, then, but we, then we entertained it, and we got all this you know, back and forth questions. So this would be a, uh, a question. What if, before we even entertained it, we just said it was time barred. Could we have done that? I, I don't think the commission procedures out, outline that. I think they require you to go through the process of, of the actually hearing. having them because, because you as staff decided that, hey, this is sort of gray area. It hasn't been three months, but it's been two weeks. So you said, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, we at staff thought it was clear, but we didn't okay. want to prevent the commission or the complainant from being able to have their hearing. So. Understood. So, was, okay, so it was a judgment call. We heard it, we got it. Okay, Yeah. thank you. Oh, uh, you have your closing statement, but we have to finish the uh, questions from the commissioners. No more questions. Okay, so you have your closing statement. And I don't believe there's any public speakers, so. I mean, I'd like to make your comments on time Oh, you're right, there's speakers after. You're right, you're right. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. You have to come up and speak in the microphone, please. Bar, without it being my closing statement, that would be in your closing statement, because otherwise we would have a uh, all evening conversation. That's why well, we set I mean, up the Mr. rules. I think if Mr. Thomas makes a response and, and I don't have a chance to comment on what he said, that that's not really. Um, but I, the, the, this one, this uh, item is the same as the last one. The uh, ten, the October meeting referenced the materials and pulled from the materials in the, 19, in the September 19th meeting. There was no additional written statement, written documentation about these things that were discussed at the, at the uh, September 19th meeting. The item was pulled. It was discussed. Questions of the zonings were brought up. Nothing written was in that. So they had the opportunity to add that to the written materials, and they didn't. Um, so as far as time barred, I think that, that there was just a typo in my um, in my initial complaint, that referenced the wrong item number. So that's I think where the confusion actually was. Um, and I did write that when I wrote you my response today. Um, so as far as the zoning, uh, the records the records that I saw it was never um, uh, what's the word nonconforming. Um, the city always owned the property. It was never owned since 1991. It was not owned by the railroad. Correct. I mean, it wasn't owned by the railroad, the lease was always with the city. Um, it was in fact zoned manufacturing, but with a PD overlay because they'd always planned to make it part of the, the park. So um, up until Gene Sweeney was, um, was uh, developed, uh, it was a PD overlay. So the, that's the, the lease was uh, short, for, it was a month to month lease, even for the, the food bank. So it was never non-conforming lease as far as I can tell. So again, if I can't come before the Sunshine, the Open Government Committee and say the statements made by, by staff members have proven to be untrue, then I, it doesn't make it any point at all to bring the process before you. And then second, again, all any discussion or reason for anybody to think that there was any zoning issue is absent. So, thank you. 
Mr. Thomas. If Ms. Sheehan is correct, and that land was always owned by the city, then it's still zoned manufacturing, because it would never have been changed to open space. Because it only changed to open space if it was subject to the initiative and was um, approved um, and was received, uh, purchased from um, the uh, railroad. So if she's correct, it, then it's, it's actually still zoned manufacturing and there's no non-conforming lease issue at all because the, that, that use is permitted in the manufacturing zoning district. So um, I, I, I think at the end of the day, interesting conversation, fully discussed. If you watch the tape of that night, that was the major conversation. Open space, Gene Sweeney Park, what's the plan? Does this fit within that plan? Is it consistent with the park? Is it a good short-term use of this property until such time that the city has the money to build out Gene Sweeney Park? So um, from our perspective, um, this, these issues were fully aired in a public hearing before the city council made any final decisions. Um, they then did make a final decision at the first reading of September came back two weeks later, approved it again. Um, so we, we don't see any violation. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Do, you know, I don't see on my list uh, public comments. Public comments, no, you're right. And, and it is, we do have a speaker. Okay. So it's uh, Dorothy Freeman. Ms. Freeman, you're on. Good, e <coughs> Good evening. I am Dorothy Freeman, a board member of the Gene Sweeney <coughs> Open Space Park Fund. Gene Sweeney was a major advocate for the Alameda Food Bank remaining on the Gene Sweeney Park. Jim Sweeney and I, as member of the Park Advisory Committee with the Alameda Recreation and Parks Department, were presented with drawings of a new building that the Alameda Food Bank had plans for to build on new space on the Gene Sweeney Park. We have been disappointed that the food bank would no longer be a place, would not have that place for their future. It was the opinion of the commission that once the new building was built, the existing land vacated by the food bank would revert back to the Gene Sweeney Park. There is no reason anywhere that would suggest that the city should lease that section of land to a private organization, especially for storage. We object to the private privatization of any parkland in Alameda. In the case of the Gene Sweeney Park, if the building is to be used as storage, there is ample reason for it to be used by and for the park. The pending community garden could be a major user of the building for storage or as a classroom. Since the food bank abandoned the building in 2020, sub subsequent conversations by me with then ARPD Director Amy Waldridge indicated that the food bank had no intention of returning to the existing or new location at Gene Sweeney Park. It appears that the city documents support that the food bank's abandonment of the space and with no active lease, they should have no say in subsequent use of the land. The management of the open space would then revert back to ARPD and not other city departments. Myself and another board member of the Gene Sweeney Open Space Park Fund were out of the country when this item was agendized and discussed by city council. 
We are grateful for this opportunity to speak on behalf of the park and to support Ms. Sheehan in this open government complaint. We support Ms. Sheehan's objections to the way this item has been handled by city staff and its placement on the city council agenda without proper disclosure of documents. We also object to this lease as having been improperly handled by the Alameda Food Bank, the city staff, and by city council. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for uh, all the service of your committee and uh, to the late Jean Sweeney. Are there any other comments, other public comments? Yes, um, it's a phone number ending in 555. Speaker 555, <laughs> good thing it's not 66. Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening. This is Trisha Rare Spencer. I'm speaking in my individual capacity. Um, so I, as a council member, when this item came up, I noted, I well, actually asked the question to staff, is this on park property? And there was not a direct response back. Contrary to what uh, might be presented tonight, uh, there was, and then there was no correction that yes, in fact, this was on park property. And why did that matter? That mattered because we actually, as citizens of this community, passed an ordinance uh, that any change in public park property would uh, either go in front of the public for a vote or there would at least be some consideration of that if it's a lease by council. So when there was no disclosure of that by staff in not only the first reading, but also the second reading, because the second reading was the identical report as the first reading with no changes in the written uh, statement, the comments by uh, the, the staff comments after the questions during the first reading then this was a very significant issue and I actually want to thank uh, Shelby Sheehan for bringing this and, uh, and then Dorothy Freeman for speaking to this uh, because parks are very important to our community. We have certain rules that apply to it. Uh, and in regards to this though, it was incumbent upon staff to disclose that it was on, it is on park property at the first reading and then to correct it at the second time at the second reading because it wasn't disclosed during the first reading. So that is, to me, I agree with uh, Shelby Sheehan in regards to this is a problem and I'm happy to have all of you serving to make sure that we are in fact protecting democracy in our city. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are there any other public comments? Uh, that was our last speaker. Okay. All right, trying to read my directions here. Um, so, can I turn to you, Commissioner Telos, for uh, where you want to take the discussion? You did so well last time. <laughs> I don't have a straight motion just yet, but I think I'd like to lead the discussion of like, what was the violation? And I'm glad we, you know, we had the two spe public speakers and one alluded to that it was on the agenda, so, but they couldn't attend. So clearly, you know, people knew about it in layman's terms that was on there. So 
um, I'm trying, I'd like to, our discussion to go with like, you know, not if it's good for Alameda or not, or bad for Alameda, but just like, what is the violation? And, you know, as open government, Sunshine Ordinance, commissioners, I don't think it's really in our purview to be like, okay, that was an inaccurate statement or not an accurate statement that he said, she said, but what what's the violation here? And if there was one. Through, through the chair, I, I uh, kind of agree with your framing. I, I think before I can get there, and I, I think this is maybe where Commissioner Sullivan was, some of his line of questioning is, you know, I, I think our first discussion point is to determine if this is time barred or not um, before we can get into Agreed. that. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, Commissioner Sullivan, you're in the hot seat. I, I don't find this to be time barred. You don't? I don't, based on two things. Um, one, from our last complaint hearing and from the statements of uh, Mr. Thomas at this hearing, um, that the first reading and the second reading is the second bite at the apple. Therefore, that would toll the statute of limitations from September to October 3rd. So therefore, uh, it was also put forth by council member Spencer uh, stating that they were both identical agenda items, both from the first reading and second reading. So I don't see a time bar issue. And the staff also didn't see it as a time bar issue, and that's why it was brought before us, their judgment call. So I could lean towards that. I, I, I can, in the spirit of hearing the item, I, I can agree with that as well. I, I think it might be something we want to consider for our um, end of year report in terms of maybe guidance or something that needs to be put out there um, so that these types of issues are clear to the public uh, in the future in terms of ordinances, because it sounds like it's kind of, that's where the gray area lies. I, I, I don't know, when I submitted my complaint, <laughs> I looked at, I read the instructions, and it's the first reading of the ordinance. That's, in my experience, that's when the information is presented. It's the first reading of the ordinance, unless it changes to the second reading. And usually, if it changes substantially in the second reading, then they have to have another reading <laughs> you know, to, uh, you, they have to redo, do a redo. So if all the information was discussed and debated at the first reading, that's when the clock, in my mind, starts ticking, because that's what happened to me in my complaint. I didn't wait till the second reading. You know, I, I heard that clock going, and I said, oh, I've got Does to Does the follow. city council have an opinion on that? I'm not. City, city attorney, attorney, I mean? City attorney. Oh, the outside council? Yeah. Um, Hi. Legal opinion to render about that situation? He's gonna. I mean, uh, statute of limitations is like fundamental legal, you know, topic. Right, but my, my reading of the complaint process is, is at, you know. I understand your understanding, but I'm just wondering what the okay. law might be. All right. So 2-932A, uh, is the relevant provision. And it says any person may file a complaint against any violation of the sunshine, sunshine ordinance no more than 15 days after the alleged violation. So that's all it says. Following that is, is sort of not a relevant exception to, to this situation. I think the key to, to, to understanding that would be 
what you th what the commissioners think the alleged violation and how the time peg works. So here in this case, my understanding of the dates is that uh, many of the complaints that Ms. Sheehan has raised are about the September 19th hearing. And she included in her complaint a copy of the um, correspondence that she had provided to the second hearing, which is, of course, talking about the, uh, the, the missteps that she thinks the city staff and city officials had committed at that first hearing. Um, there was one allegation in her Sunshine Ordinance complaint in the second one that mentioned something about what happened at the October third hearing, um, which was about a comment that the mayor had made after a public speaker had spoken in support of the lease. So that allegation certainly would be timely, though I don't believe either party today discussed that allegation. So it was just addressed on the papers. Um, I think if you if you if one takes the position that the second hearing in some way revives or tolls the statute of limitations, that's not stated in the the language of the sunshine sunshine ordinance as such. But um, I, I can understand that as a position. I, I I don't think that the plain language of the of the statute of limitations language says that. It just says no more than 15 days after the alleged violation. And so if everybody is in agreement, which I don't know if people are, that it that the violations happened on the 19th, then you have to count 15 days from that. And Thank that you. would make her complaint untimely. Thank you. So now it looks like we should go back to your question. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Delos, what was the violation? It seems like the claimed violation is on the September 19th meeting of not being properly, I guess, I think it was probably agendized, but it wasn't properly maybe titled and the information was not complete in there. So I think it's all the 19th and not the October 2nd meeting. The October 3rd? October 3rd meeting. So you think the complaints alleged the, the September, not the October? That's, yeah. Okay. Because we didn't speak about the mayor's comments in either of the testimonies here, and that's when it happened, is October 3rd. Everything was pertaining to September 19th. And so if we go forward, uh, Commissioner, on if it's time barred, then we don't need to go through sustain, sustain, deny, deny, or dismiss. We just say time barred, we leave, right? Complaint dismissed on jurisdictional or procedural grounds. Yeah. Procedural time barred. So, I see. Oh, the the last one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think we we probably have to render some decision, uh, whether it's time barred or not. Well, the last one, last couple months, we just said complaint denied. Yes, but yeah. this so this, this one, one is is the procedural. Well, I think that this, I think if we had to dis, well, I mean, because I, 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 that's what I would think would be that it would be a complaint dismissed uh, on statute of limitations. And that would, that's how I would rule it. Yeah, jurisdictional procedural grounds. 
No. This is a hearing that we have procedures and we're discussing the final part. No, that was not the assumption. The assumption, the, the fact of the matter is, is that staff believes, believed it was time barred, but it led it through because they felt it was a gray area. Now that we've clarified that the complaint was actually based on everything that happened at the earlier date, that put, could, you, you don't have permission to speak. So basically, us as a commission can make that distinction. Right, we can make the distinction. So if we at this time make that distinction that the complaint is dismissed on jurisdictional or procedural grounds, we can do so. Because that's one of the five choices that we have. Right. Because the staff gave us that decision making portion. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, back to my original thought was when was the alleged violation? What date are we talking about? Can I speak on that? No. I, I think that all the papers have been submitted and all the arguments have been granted according to the hearing procedures, Ms. Sheehan. No, we're not. No, we're not changing procedures. No, no, okay, we're not. I think the chair has said no. Yeah, we just have to, I'm we sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, we understand. No, we see where you're coming from. We understand your argument. We do. <laughs> okay, so I, I think that's us as a commission if we wanna where do we think, what date was the violation? Right, yeah. I, I, oh, sorry. No, I, so, I mean, given what her papers say and given what she says, she says, well, I didn't make the complaint in the, at the September hearing on the first reading, I made it at the second hearing. That's where the complaint violations, that's what she's saying, she made her, her arguments, right? That's what she's saying. So do you find that that's when her, I mean, that's really what we need to find, not, not if we find what the city council member said. I mean, I'm sorry, what the, what the attorney said, because that's what he was saying, jurisdiction, like for the, the whole statute, the language of the statute limitations, that's what that's saying. I don't know if he was saying that, he did say what, there was one complaint only alleged that was for the for October, October 3rd. 3rd. Yeah, he so said he, all the rest were, were, were in September 19th. Which is opposite of what she just said and what her complaint says. Her complaint says that she's complaining about the October 3rd. And then staff said, we let her in because she was, we thought it was about the 19th, but she complained it was about the October 3rd. So they let it in because it was the October 3rd. So I think in these kind of situations, and I'm just pontificating here, where we're an open government commission and our sole responsibility is to have the public heard, right? Not to rule. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're yeah, here I don't to, care to if hear it's the public, to provide I, them yeah. democracy, right? To have them heard. Um, and as, as the commissioner here said, in the spirit of hearing it, um, I, I would have to err on the side of now ruling against that it's not a bar, time bar because she brought it up on the October 3rd, even though it was the same agenda. Nothing in the, in the statute of limitations says that her complaint has to be ruled on the first reading. 
was the same. It was the same. It was the same ordinance. I mean, it was the same agendized item, right? But if once the, published in September, and then again published in on in the third, and she argues that her complaints were on the third. That's just that's how I'm seeing it. Okay. If if her complaints were based on everything that happened in September, it doesn't matter that she says her complaint is based on the third, only because factually everything she she has raised tonight is based on what happened on the what, 17th, is it? The 19th. 19th. The 19th, can't keep track of my dates. But if, if all, everything that went wrong, she saw go wrong on the 19th, then that's when the clock ticks, starts ticking. And that, I mean, th that's, that's how I read it. And if I might just clarify, staff let it go through not because we didn't feel it was time barred, but because we wanted to let the commission make that decision, not that we were saying it's not time barred. We just wanted to defer to the commission's decision. And, and I, I'll just say, in the spirit of having the discussion, that's kind of where, where I was going is, you know, we, for democracy's sake, for, for kind of hearing this out, we needed to have this Extend discussion, that. right? And, and make a determination about, um, you know, where we see the violations having occurred based on the merits of the, com the, merits of the arguments that were put in front of us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if anyone's necessarily putting their kind of finger on the scale at this point, but, but it does appear uh, I think uh, maybe agreeing with Commissioner uh, Chair Chen that the crux of the issues occurred on the 19th, and that's when the clock would then start ticking. And so, for having to kind of uh, weigh in and adjudicate that piece of it, that's kind of what what, what I'm seeing in terms of the the uh, chief complaints in this mm -hmm. in this report in this complaint. And. Um. Let's just add more complication to everything. I think this is pretty critical when we make this call here. Is it between the first reading or second reading that we're opening up the time? Because then, you know, we're, I, I think we should, you know, stick with precedent. So we're setting a precedent here. I'm not saying which way to go, but I, I see the arguments both ways. Because, like, in the spirit of it, like you said, democracy, you know, they want, we want to give people a chance to be heard. And clearly, staff wanted this one to be heard. They didn't just automatically rule it out and never came to us. So, um, you know, I could be swayed either way. You know, at first I was really thinking of being the stickler on September 19th, but you know what? That's why you get the second buy of the apple, right? So maybe we give 15 days from there. Um, Chair Chen, yes, <laughs> I get, I get may, your point. May I too. correct my second bite of the apple, all I'm saying is that if your elected body makes a decision and makes a decision following the rules as, as they believe they're following the rules, you can't, I mean, you should not come to the Open Government Commission and expect to re-debate the entire issue again if the council or the commission follow the rules. I mean, I think the democracy in action here is the fact that we agreed to hear the hearing. We agreed to listen to uh, Ms. Sheehan's issues and concerns. And it's not that we don't hear you, we hear you loud and clear. And I think that what we found that is not in the Sunshine Ordinance that we see could be added to it or corrected should go in our final report to City Council. 
because that's how we've behaved in the past. Like we said, oh, this doesn't pass the smell test, but it doesn't violate the Sunshine Ordinance. So democracy isn't always winning. Democracy is having the opportunity to speak and to be heard. Process. And I, I really believe that uh, we have listened, we have heard, we, government isn't perfect, government is never perfect, none of us are perfect. But what we try to do is to keep the wheels of government moving unless they've done something that is really egregious and then we just call, call them out on it. And we still get to call them out on it even if we, if we, you know, if, if we deny the complaint. That's all I'm saying because through our annual report we can, we can see where we saw the things were that were fuzzy that don't give us any um, control or any agency to, to rule on, but we can certainly state our opinions and our insights and our feedback to council. Please. Chair Chan, may I? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, um, so I think before we get on to the merits or the decision process, I think there's a black and white issue. Are we saying it's time barred or not? Because this is going to set us up for all our future meetings. Right? Is, like, is it the first reading or second reading? Because I think that's going to probably come up in other places as well. Should we bifurcate our decision before we even go down the route? Because if we say it's time barred, that'd be the end. If we say it's not time barred, then we could go into our actual decision on what was violated or not violated? Through, through yeah. the chair, okay. you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I think it, it does have some, some bearing. Uh, how, however, um, you know, I, I think that's why rules are sometimes, there's some gray to allow for flexibility. I, I think that um, where, where I'm gonna come down on the time bar issue is, you know, and, and I think I appreciate the questions you asked of the attorney um, because they you know it's it's in in your comments as well chair Chan because it's it's when when did the viol when is the violation alleged right and and at which meeting is it alleged and that's what triggers the clock um, and, and so you know I, I I don't see any way for me to come down on the side of it um, of it not being time barred. Okay. Um, may I? Yeah. I see your reasoning, and I'm glad we had outside counsel also chime in on this one. And it's pretty specific that it was the September 19th meeting where the alleged violations happened. So if that were going down that route, that would be where the, the clock starts. Can I make an analogy? And see okay. if you guys follow this. Please. So it, there's uh, there's like a personal injury case, okay? And the inj one of the one of the de de definitions of injury is when you knew or should have known you were injured. Let's say, right? Okay. So if it's the first or second reading, when that's coming into our determination, is this when they knew, i.e., when the allegations were arrived at, or when they should have known? So. When is that individual, when does it really tick? Even if, because if it is truly a second bite at the apple, and those aren't just your words, those are also you know, 
Mr. Thomas had also said, that it's second reading, everything's up, it's a cooling off period, we're all here. But that's kind of beside the issue, because city council's saying, hey, look, yeah, but September 19th is when the allegations were set forth. It happened on the 19th, didn't happen here. I'm not sure that was my reading, that everything happened on the 19th. When I read her complaint, I didn't see everything happening on the 19th. Did you guys? I don't know. So when I, when I and first of all, I'm a kind of liberal when it comes to statute of limitations to begin with. 15 days to me is like atrocious. So I'm already trying to give her 40. more time anyway, because <laughs> yeah. 15 days, right. I don't even know if I haven't paid a bill in 15 days, That's right. whether or not I have a violation of, of this. So it's like, give her some time. And that, give someone some time to think. And I think that's what staff was doing when they said, hey, let, 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 us, let them hear this. I mean, it's only a couple of weeks. So I, I, it, to me, from the record, it's not a, as clear. Maybe we could have city council, uh, city council, I keep saying city council. We could have um, outside council explain again um, for our, our own purposes of that limit, because it it's that simple. If it, if it, if it hit, misses that mark, I mean, you have to have a cutoff period. It, the, we don't hear anything, right? So if, if, if it is that clear to the city attorney that her allegations are all towards September 19th, and there's only one with regards to a speaking violation that happened on October 3rd meeting, and that those claims don't relate back to the 19th, then we don't have, any, we don't have anything to listen to. So uh, me personally, I am not that clear on the record that everything happened on, the, on, on September 19th. I feel like if she says these weren't, you know, her FOIA, re I call them FOIA requests, the, the records requests, all of those are germane to the first and the second reading. Any of those violations would pertain to the first or second reading. It kind of gives, you know, to err is human. So I, I would kind of err on the side of, hey, well, maybe not finding a violation unless it's clear as day from the city attorney. As far as I can determine, there's no violation of the Public Records Act. The, but we're not even there yet. Yeah, I, well, yeah. no, no, no. What yeah. I'm saying is you, you mentioned asking for the documents. So, so, yeah, it's still open, but staff has so many days to respond to the person saying we've got your request and we're working on it. Um, that's all that's kind of required by law unless it gets really further down the road. Hmm. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I. Outside counsel, Lee. Uh, hi, so to, again, the language is 15 days after the alleged violation. And as you may know from the statement that I provided you, I analyzed it both on the merits, even assuming they're all timely, but I also had said that I believe that the city's position had merit about the statute of limitations, and I'm happy to try to break it down a little bit more. Um, and also to sort of address Commissioner Sullivan, your question about knew or should have known. In her complaint, she includes a copy of the um, correspondence that she had provided to the, to the city council for the October 3rd hearing. So she certainly knew by the time that she submitted that for the hearing of all the alleged violations that she mentioned, which were um, the fact that the staff report, which was issued for the first hearing, um, had various misstatements about the zoning and the use and whether the uh, food bank should have been allowed to dictate who gets to do it, things like that. She did not file her complaint until a week after that hearing, October 11th or 12th. 
which would make it more than 15 days past. So she certainly, even under the new or should have known standard, it would be untimely. As to the substance of com complaint and sort of lining up what was about the 19th or not, I think because the vast majority of the complaint is about um, the failure of the staff report, which again was issued for the first hearing, there is almost no quite really grounds to say that those are not things that she knew about because she, she put it in for the, second, for the second hearing for folks to consider, but also because they are tied to the staff report. And I believe Mr. Thomas said the staff report was essentially the same. They just referenced the old staff report at the second hearing. Now, there was also allegations that the, um, and, and, and part of the sort of, the, the staff report was wrong was also that the staff uh, should have included various things tied to that staff report and agenda. So again, that's all about things that happened at the September 19th or the first hearing. Then there are questions about her um, Public Records Act request, which aren't tied to um, the particular agenda per se, but as, as I think there was discussion already, that is open, and so they have not yet completed that uh, request. And she notes that she asked for it on September 25th. I had discussed in the report about whether that is a meritorious claim. And then on, then there's sort of a, a, a last cluster of complaints made, allegations in the complaint made about comments about by member of the public bodies, uh, the city council members. They were directed towards comments that were made at September 19th, except for the one I mentioned where I'm now reading from her complaint. She says, the mayor demonstrated a clear bias before the vote and after public comment when she said to one of the cheerleaders, she was, quote, looking forward to meeting with you this week. I watched both hearings. That comment is from the second hearing. So in my report, I talked about how that is a timely one because that is about the October 3rd. Um, and I discussed whether that was meritorious or not. But the parties today did not discuss that particular allegation. And, and would that be a, va a violation of a Sunshine Ordinance in, this, in like, like the secret meeting type thing, like outside of the purview of the public? Is that what the violation would be yeah. if there were to, or? It's showing no, I think her, bias. I, her, her allegation was that it was, um, I'm just reading for a complaint, is discussion on this item was controlled by shame and intimidation and was wholly inappropriate. Officers clearly colluded in playing favorites. They stacked it with, uh, they stacked the public comments with cheerleaders and then the mayor demonstrated a clear bias. Then she cites 2-9117, which is, um, the rule about how every member of the public body here, the city council, retains their full constitutional rights to speak comment publicly about that. So it's my understanding, reading from her complaint, is that she believes the mayor's comment after that speaker had spoke violated uh, potentially a city council member's uh, constitutional right to speak. And I, as I mentioned, I don't believe that bears out to be a violation in that particular case. Okay. But that is a timely allegation. Thank and you. then she also talked, okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, she also talks about comments that Alan Ty and Andrew Thomas had made. They spoke, 
those comments were spoke were, were she ref, she's referring to comments that were made at the September 19th hearing. And again, to reinforce all this, much of her complaint is is is, uh, is a reattachment of the public uh, correspondence that she had provided to the city council for October 3rd, and, and that hearing hadn't happened yet. So it's all things that it's discussing things that had happened at the first hearing. Um, so that's sort of the the overview of the allegations that she makes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Through, through the chair. Yes. Um, and, and thank you, um, uh, Mr. Lee, uh, for walking us through that. Uh, you know, I, for, I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here, right? Um, because I, I, I kind of see two paths, right? We start going down a path of trying to get into the merits. And if this is, if, if the crux of this is very much like the item we heard before this and the item we heard several weeks, couple months ago, there's the chance that, that it can be um, uh, denied and found as unfounded. Another path, which I, I think that this is where I am, I see this is time barred as uh, uh, Mr. Lee outlined because the, the one thing on the third, I, I, I don't really see any substance to that. Um, and so I'm, I'm more inclined to dismiss this on procedural grounds because it's time barred. That, that those are the two paths I see, and I would really prefer us to go down path one um, to dismiss this on procedural grounds. That's, that's where I am. Yeah, I like that you brought up the complaint from previous and the complaint tonight. I'm, I try to take each one, I do it exactly different, not saying it's the right way, or, but I just want each complaint on its own merits. So I'm not looking at the past ones. I'm just looking at this one and it came up and it, the first question we have to ask is it time barred or not? And you know, from, what I'm hearing from outside counsel and from city staff, you know, they, it was a maybe for them. I think outside counsel is pretty much leading me to it's September. And if you take that one piece that was from October, I mean, I don't think that one has merit. So I'm looking at everything at September 19th. So I am going down the path of complaint dismiss on jurisdictional. That's where I'm, I just wanna look at this singularly rather than you know, trying to you know, go back to the other two. It's like, what's the first question? Should we even be listening to this? And yes, I think we should have and we did, but now with outside counsel really breaking it down for me, or for us, I'm leaning towards that one on complaint dismissed. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry. Can, <laughs> Chair? I, I'm recognizing you, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I, I feel the same way. Uh, and when I was reading it, I felt the same way. I was very, I had just a litany of questions that I wanted to ask about the process and about how they determine things being time barred or not. And I've set it all aside um, and just focused in on just this one complaint and when I broke it all down, I found the same that outside counsel found. 
Um, and I'm like, why are we hearing this? And I, it was great to hear what uh, staff had to say. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not even gonna look at the merits or consider what anybody's like kind of, I, I can consider, I, I think it's great that we've come to these ideas about what we think of the merits, but um, it shouldn't be in any opinion. I, I, I tend to agree with both of you that it's um, a complaint dismissed on jurisdictional grounds, um, that it's time barred. And no, I'm sorry, we can't. Well, but it has nothing to do with your complaint. Okay, thank you. That's what our issue is. So I'm leaning in the same direction as the three of you. And uh, call for, is there a motion? I'll, I'll move to uh, dismiss uh, the claim um, uh, on procedural grounds um, that it is time barred. Is there a second? A second. Call. <laughs> Sorry, that's me. Um, Commissioner, or Vice Chair Miley? Aye. Commissioner Sullivan? Aye. Telos? Aye. Chen? Yes, that carries by four eyes. Okay, so we still have agenda items. Yes. Thank you very much. We. I do Meeting minutes. Yeah, I'm just trying to, oh, the minutes, all right. So I'll move approval <laughs> of meeting minutes for uh, the August 7, 2023 meeting. Is there a second? I want to give Commissioner Sullivan a chance. I think I've been hogging seconds. <laughs> I second. I'm on a diet, I only do first. All right. Oh. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 All right, there's just voice. Uh, okay, so we have staff report. Is that right? Well, yes. <laughs> it's uh, 4B, which is discussing the 2023 annual reports, including the possibility of forming subcommittees. And um, basically, uh, it, it's about this time of year where the commission always looks at this um, issue. And I tried to break down what was done the previous two years, because in 2021 was the first time the commission, you know, wrote the report um, about, you know, the items issues encountered uh, during the year and then last year in 2022 the commission uh, did that report and also in that report com com included the other annual report um, outlining the complaints so it was just coming to you tonight to see if you wanted to form a subcommittee again if you wanted to do it in the 2021 style where the commission just focuses on um, the issues encountered and you wanted staff to draft the report that's just kind of a table of the complaints or if you wanted to do it combined again and if you wanted one subcommittee to handle it or break it into two reports and have it handled by sub two subcommittees. So basically I just wanted to kind of outline the last two years and what was done and then leave it up to you guys to decide how you wanna proceed. I'm at your mercy. Yeah. Well, you whatever's know, easiest. There is there is a hex because for the last two reports I volunteered, and the other commissioner who volunteered ended up leaving both times. <laughs> <laughs> Not for 
anything I did. No. But it, it was a very lonely affair. <laughs> no. Yes. I make the suggestion, since we do have a very nice framework, it's sort of cookie cutter now, that we do just have each commissioner put the input and staff handles it. And that also, no, I, I think you, you gotta make things more efficient. When I first started on this commission, I think I had three commissioners all leave within six months. And city council has already sort of cited that maybe they take away the public hearing or the complaint process and just putting that to a third party as well. And with all these additional meetings happening, I think that's why you probably get less people wanting to be on the commission, or maybe let's say this, they wanna be on commission, but they come on, then they end up leaving or not wanting to renew. So I think whatever we make needs to be efficient and it needs to you know, stand the test of time. Because it, if you always ask to commissioners to hop on this, you know, it makes it additional work, then it makes it less for volunteers wanting to be serving a full term on this commission. I mean, how much is really involved this year, though? I mean, we've only had three, com four complaints. I mean, there's no well, so th four complaints, then I think the staff would have to put all the PRA um, stats together saying, okay, here's how many we fulfilled and all of that. So that I think, more. you know, the three or four complaints, I think it's cookie cutter where we don't need a subcommittee. I don't think so. Yeah, because right. yeah, that's pretty much what it is, right? It's like, okay, here's the PRA complaints, here's how many fulfilled, you break it down by department. Okay, usually it's, you know, one department, but, you know, then we'd say, why this department? And usually it, it was from like LA police, but it was system integrations and their systems being more robust nowadays. Then you get the handful of complaints that we had, and we have plenty of documentation on that. So I'm thinking this is something that can be handled by staff versus a subcommittee. I, I agree, Commissioner Tilos. I appreciate the kind of the, the history that you two, <laughs> continuity you bring from prior uh, commissions. Uh, the, the one thing, uh, and it, it sounds like we might be signing Mr. Lee up for, for some of this. Um, uh, oh, oh, okay. well, well, hopefully, hopefully Mr. Lee will help. Um, uh, I just want to make sure that as part of documenting the complaints that, you know, the kind of those issues that we highlighted that should kind of be referred to the annual report are captured in that. I'm, I'm sure it will be, but I, I, I don't want to assume. I mean, the, I think the main issue that I've heard all, all these past few months is, is that some people want more information available to them when they, when they read the agenda. And we all know that's probably in a perfect world, but we know it could be better. That's, you know, if the staff can anticipate, like, well, somebody's gonna ask for this, this, and this, we'll, we'll make sure we have it available, would be a good idea, right? Because then it doesn't have to come before the commission. <laughs> but. Uh, I agree, agreed, that I, I see that as a theme. It's like, yeah, the other pieces And then, and of then it. The, from the past two years, which have been unaddressed and unresolved, we can. And it's a simple fix. In, incorporate them. Yeah, that's a simple fix. I think fix. it's a simple fix. I mean, I especially mean, that the last time we said, we talked about having it readily available at the library in hard copy. You know, you could cite, I mean, that's 
I don't know if that's crazy or not. It is available at the yeah. library in hard copy. And that, and that just seems like the fix. If anybody wants to go see it, go to the library. It's there. You know, it saves everybody the time and money and expense. Right. There's nothing in the Sunshine Ordinance that requires staff to physically provide every single bit of information you know, a resident wants on an agenda item. It's, it seems kind of onerous. Um, That's city government. Yes, 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 yes. You work for them. So, so uh, Chair Chen, if I may, um, so I'm hearing the commission say you would like um, staff to proceed with drafting the part, the part about um, the complaints, the annual report on the complaints, and you would you are giving the direction that you would like the um, analysis of the public records request, and then um, maybe the items that staff uh, that the commission has raised at prior meetings to target for the annual report, such as like including information, is would be the topics. Right. That would be highlighted. I, I think I've got it. I mean, tonight's issue about the Gene Sweeney Park, you know, of course the Gene Sweeney Park commissioners, you know, the people who put their sweat and blood into making that park feel feel kind of... Um, yeah, the, the council did discuss that, not to get back oh, into it, but yeah, okay. so no, that was, All uh, right. that was discussed. <laughs> but, yeah. but still, there's, a, there's yeah. this sad feeling from people not being included in that. But yeah. Is, it, is that something, it's not, again, an open government thing. It's, it's about government being more responsive to the community and communicating. Yeah, the issue, only issue we really brought up was the statute of limitations issue, right? Yeah. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. that's, that's that something we, we were hacking away last year because we felt that the 15 days was really a crazy number for the Public Records Act. Because when does the clock start ticking if, if, yeah. if the city gives you one document and that's not enough and you ask for another one and <laughs> you ask for another one, mm -hmm. right? You, you can't file the complaint before you know they're not giving it to you. Well, and we didn't talk about this, but there is, if there's a statute of limitation, like for all statute limitations in California, there's a toll statute, there's a tolling statute. So if this does happen, it can toll the statute of limitations, mm -hmm. right? And if you can outline that in your papers, you can toll it, you know? Um, I don't know if there is a tolling for the 15-day period. There, maybe that would be something we could discuss. And like we yeah. said, God, we'd like to provide them everything, but they do the best they can. Well, maybe there's a way they can do better. Exactly. Yeah. And, no, and, no, exactly. And, and so I think Commissioner Telios referenced, and I'm, I'm sorry, through the chair, um, I just kind of jumped in. Um, he referenced <laughs> that the council is probably going to be bringing forward a proposal for um, a proposal for you know, kind of the way these or hearings are conducted and, yes. um, through a um, administrative um, law judge, I believe. But, um, you know, I, I think that may require some um, changes to the Sunshine Ordinance, potentially. Um, yeah, and, and so, and so I, I think that, you know, some of these discussions are very pertinent because I, I believe that's supposed to come to us before it goes back to the council. Um, and so, you know, I, I think if they're going to consider some changes, they, I, I think this report might be very well timed uh, for other changes, such as tolling. Yeah. Like that whole first and second reading thing, I mean, there's just, that just opens the door. I could see that being a very problematic issue. It is, because, well, no, well actually, it's, it's when the violation occurred, right? So you get an agenda does or doesn't tell you what's gonna go on. You realize, you know, you felt that that was a violation of public, rec of not public But re-injury can toll a statute of personal injury, for instance, re-injury. So 
Yeah, but it this can, is, there's but, all kinds of things. Yeah, I know, well, but I don't know. I mean, we're, well, anyway, all I can say depends is, on the re second is reading. The, is the complaint I filed, I filed right away because the second reading would have confirmed the ordinance. Yeah. They did it anyway, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's part of legend. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you were you had a re oh, so you brought it up. Commissioner Tilos, about the possibility that council might adopt a referral. I've, I've read it somewhere, and yeah, yeah. it was brought up. I was going to provide it under staff update, but if you'd like me to discuss it now. So what happened was the October 17th meeting, council didn't get to the council referral sections. They didn't get through the whole agenda that night. Um, so the matter is re-agendized for tomorrow night. I'm not entirely certain that they will get to it tomorrow night either. It's another really big agenda and I just don't know if they'll get to it. But what the um, process, proposed process is, is that the matter, if the council looks at it and says they have interest in doing it, it would come to the Open Government Commission. So if they address it at one of their November meetings, I would bring it to you guys in December. So, um, you know, we will just see how that unfolds and then um, you'll hear about it, you know, if the entire council gives direction for it to come to you guys. So just through the chair, just on, on that and, and on the report as well, um, whenever that were to come to us, I, I just, I know you can't control like when a complaint comes in or not. Um, I, I just hope that um, we're able to have sufficient kind of energy and time for a discussion on the annual report as well as the council referral if it does come. Um, I, and I know that's out of your control. Um, so I'm just kind of putting that out there in the universe in, in hopes that um, we can, you know, have an agenda that's, you know, focused on that discussion, um, if, if at all possible. Because we could attempt to have a December meeting just to talk about it and, and uh, hope that no one files a complaint. <laughs> right? Because if someone does, then we'd have to have a meeting anyway. So, great. Anyway, th I thought this was a pretty good meeting. I was kind of gruff. Is that all the agenda items? Yeah, staff communication. Yeah, I, I had one other. When were we going to talk about us being disbanded, possibly? <laughs> that's, 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 that's what we're talking about, the council referral. Oh, okay. And it was not to disband. It was to have a separate process. The proposal is to have a, um, the, the hearings conducted. Uh, administrative law judge, uh, from what I understand, and our commission would still be in place. Um, oh, and, and, okay. And I don't, I, I don't believe we'd have as many hearings. Um, we'd be more in an oversight uh, function. I see. Uh, yeah. I thought we were getting disbanded, and I oh, started yeah, liking yeah. all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. You get to hang out with us a bit longer. Yeah. Well, I got another year. I, I, I had conversations with, uh, with, with the two people who put it. <laughs> putting it on the agenda. And they have differing, differing ideas. It's, it's a pretty wide open thing, but they don't want the commission to go away. They say, oh, we want the commission to spend more time on the annual report, you know, and telling us what we should be doing, like, really? But my hope- Are they gonna give our authority weight? Well, the whole thing is- Or are we is, still gonna be suggestive? Well, then that's- Then it might change. That's, that's where it, it should change, but- the thing is, is that I'm informed by what the Sunshine Ordinance needs by sitting through these hearings. It's, 
it's, it's part of that process. We don't sit up high and say, oh, well, I'm a commissioner and I think it should be done this way. It would mean we would still probably need to watch the hearing. I would just caution, I don't, I know you don't have an attorney really here anymore, but right. this isn't really on the agenda, so, oh, okay. and it's not really right. on your annual report that you're discussing anymore, so. So we're not talking about any, so. Yeah. So I'm going to um, adjourn the meeting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Thank hopefully you. I'll see you next year. I'm sorry, do we have to do non-agenda We don't have any, comment? we have no, no for, members for, of the public. For, for anyway. the record. Yes, and we had no speakers on that last item either, for the record. We have no speakers at all, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, thank you, we're good. <laughs> right. Now can we adjourn? Do we have any speakers on non-agenda items? No. Okay, okay, thank you. Oh, great, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chair.